What's up, guys? Welcome in to another episode of the Fantasy Football Pod. Coming at you with a Week 8 reaction video here uh, just after the Browns and Bengals finished up on Monday night, Cody. Um, don't know about you, but my fantasy did not go so well this week. Had a lot of tough matchups. Uh, a lot of people boomed this week, I'd say. Points kind of came back to... Um, you know, there was, there was a, a positive regression in the point totals of most of these weeks. I, I, I was very surprised some of these games, uh, you know, shot out the way that they did. But how did uh, your fantasy weeks end up? Yeah, I actually had a pretty solid week for fantasy. I ended up going 4-1 and one, uh, across my five leagues. But as you mentioned, I luckily just did not play any of the guys that boomed. Um, I had a couple, on my, a couple of my teams, Derek Henry, Tony Pollard, uh, and a couple of the wide receivers, but luckily I just didn't go against anybody that went crazy. So um, if I look at my matchup against most of the other ones, it's like one of the lower scoring ones where you're like, how did that guy come up with a win? But it happened across multiple leagues. So uh, lucky lucky week on my part. Um, obviously we have the big bye week coming up, six teams out. So it's going to be a little bit of some maneuvering the next couple of weeks, but it's time to get into it, man. Hopefully, we got some good uh, good players we can recommend picking up, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, people listening are not out of it yet. I know this is kind of the time where people can really just give up if they if they feel like they don't have that good team. So stick it out. We'll give you some good players to pick up and kind of rotate throughout your team. Yeah, I think once you get to eight losses, that's kind of the time. If you're in some sort of keeper or dynasty league, you can sort of look to sell at that point. But, um, again, you're only eight weeks in at this point. So unless you're 0-8, you still have a chance. 7-7 seven and seven will get you into the playoffs in plenty of leagues. So do not give up. Things change very quickly in fantasy football. And, uh, yeah, definitely, like you said, lots of buys coming up next week. We'll do our best to sort of lay out some of the pickups as we go on here because we won't talk to you again before waivers run. But uh, the teams on by next week are the Browns, Steelers, Giants, Broncos, Cowboys, and 49ers. Not the most high profile of offenses there, uh, but just the fact that there's six teams, you know, just creates uh, a lot of players that we're going to have to replace next week. So we'll try to focus on the guys we want you to pick up as we move along here. But let's go ahead and get into it. Cody, we'll start with the Thursday night game. We did not react to it too much when we did the uh, Week 8 um, preview video on Friday, so I want to go ahead and uh, react to this one real quick. On the Baltimore side, lots of injuries. I think that kind of dominated the story from a fantasy perspective. Uh, Mark Andrews got banged up in this one. Looks like he might have avoided a major injury, but he picked up a shoulder after he was coming in with a knee, so uh, he is... You know, not 100% right now for sure. I think he might benefit from a week or maybe even two off. I'm not sure when their buy is or if they've already had it. I can't remember, but um, I would factor that in. If it's a week 10 or 11 buy, they might hold him out until then because he just did not look healthy even before he picked up that shoulder injury. And uh, the guy that benefited was Isaiah Likely. Six catches on seven targets for 77 yards and a touchdown. Um, really good day in his stead. He looks good. He looked good in the preseason. Uh, this was a guy with like uh, that just had a lot of buzz coming in, but just hadn't had the opportunity because Andrews is just so dominant. But uh, I really, I think he might be an interesting pickup anyway because Rashad Bateman also got banged up in this one. So it seems like he might be necessary. This offense needs some playmakers on the pass catching side of things. How do you feel about likely, Cody? I, I also like likely. Um, if Andrews is out, he's a must pickup, especially with. Um... Bateman going to miss a couple weeks as well. So um, I think he's a he's a pickup if you're streaming the tight end position uh, for this waiver wire run. Um, I 
you know, how much fab you'd put in, it just really depends on the situation. If you're completely streaming, you know, I'd probably put a little bit in, but if Andrews plays, his value does come down. I guess that's where my biggest question comes in. Because if Andrews doesn't play, likely is a smash play, no question about it. If Andrews does play, their lack of offensive weapons, do you still feel comfortable starting him in the tight end position? If so, you know, where do you think he is, his ceiling would then be at? You know, do you think it's a couple I catches, think, a couple targets? Like, where, where are you at with that? It depends on uh, what you are looking at at tight end right now. If you have one of those top five or six guys that we're comfortable starting right, right now, I think George, like George Kittle, Dallas Goddard, are the last, uh, you know, group of those guys. If you don't have one of them, then I would definitely put in a bit unlikely. I just like the player here. I liked him in the, in the preseason, liked him in the pre-draft process. I think he's uh, necessary to this offense right now for sure. And again, yeah, if Andrews is out, he might even be a top five tight end because right. I, I think he might be the number one pass catcher in this offense, at least from, uh, you know, as far as the tight ends and wide receivers are concerned. So I think he would be a smash play if Andrews is out. And then even if he's in, uh, again, I just don't think he's going to be 100% healthy by their next game. So I, I could see likely at least, you know, getting five or so targets. And he uh, is more explosive than most tight ends, so he can do a decent amount with it, especially with Lamar as his quarterback, who, shout out to Lamar, played a really good second half in this one after a lot of his guys left with injury in the first half, as I mentioned. Uh, scored 24 points. And uh, really brought his team back kind of from the dead. They did not look very good in the first half. Lamar, uh, kudos to him. Did, did, you know, most of that kind of on his shoulders there at the end of the game. So uh, good to see him bounce back there. He had a tough couple weeks, but hopefully he can get some of his playmakers back. And I think the fantasy performances will continue to, uh, you know, come back to where they were at the beginning of the year once that happens. Gus Edwards is the only other guy on this offense I want to mention real quick, Cody. Um, 11 carries for 65 yards. I think we kind of saw the downside of Gus Edwards in this one as well as the upside. Uh, I mean, 65 yards and 11 carries is good. He did get banged up in this one as well, uh, as you mentioned before we started. I, am, I appreciate you saying that. but So that might have, might have factored into his total carry count here, but I just think this kind of speaks to Edwards' downside. If he doesn't catch passes and doesn't score, it's going to be tough for him to be uh, you know consistently around 10 to 15 points every week. Yeah, absolutely. I think you nailed it there with Edwards. Um, with Andrews, I just want to mention one more thing. He had a soldier, shoulder injury that kept him out of this game um, once he was taken out. And I believe he had a knee injury last week. So this is a new issue that yep. he's going to be dealing with. So it's not just re-aggravation, which is something to keep in mind. Um, and then the other name I just want to throw out there, just because there's a lot of people on by, Devin DuVernay, boom-bust wide receiver. Like we've mentioned, if Andrews is out or limited – this offense is going to need some kind of playmakers. He did have a solid week, uh, you know, once Bateman was out of this game last week. Yeah, um, I I definitely agree with that. Uh, but I, I think likely is the guy I'm looking at here from the pass catching side, uh, yep. just because of a tight end, you know, yep. position. Oh yeah, for just, sure. You know, likely should be the guy guys. you target. But if you need someone that just throw in your last flex spot, and you probably can do it for you know zero maybe one or two fab then I, I think Duvernay's fine but not not the high-end option like likely would be yeah low floor but does have a high ceiling he's had a couple multi-touchdown games in his career uh, but just has a tendency to disappear as well that's he scored a sort of just a gadget player so don't mind yeah. him especially when Bateman's out seems to get more involved on the Tampa side uh, this offense is just really hard to watch right now uh, really just no red zone execution at all the the total yards are there at the end of the game it's sort of the same story we've been telling you the whole time 
so far this year. I, I think my opinion on these guys hasn't changed too much. I mean, I'm definitely worried if I'm Tom Brady, if a Tom Brady owner moving forward about his upside. I still think the TD percentage has got to go up for him. Uh, it's just so ridiculously low right now. I think it's 2.6%. That's insanely low. His career is uh, around six, and his you know his time with the Bucks, he's been at seven or eight most uh, uh, the last two years. So I, I just think that'll bounce back at least a little bit. And then Evans and Godwin are getting targeted so much that it doesn't matter too much for them. Um, you know, I think right now they're high end wide receiver threes, back end wide receiver twos, and. You know they have potential for more if they start scoring. So I'm not necessarily worried about them. Do you have any disagreements on the uh, the passing side of things for the Bucks? No, I don't think so. Um, both of these guys. I mean, I've been an advocate trade for candidate for both of them. Um, I may temper that a little bit, but if someone's going to be low on either of these two guys, I still want them. Like I, like you said, they're both wide receiver twos rest of the season. If this offense does turn it around and Brady just throwing more touchdowns, one or both of these guys can move into you know wide receiver one territory. So. I'm not worried about them. I'm not selling them. Um, just I wouldn't give up a lot to go get them just because this offense is looking really rough. But if you can get them at a discount, I'd definitely do so. Now the, ones, uh, the one guy I'm starting to become pretty concerned about is Leonard Fournette. Uh, 24 yards on the ground, a touchdown, uh, as well as three catches on three targets for 34 yards. He got saved by a touchdown in this one, so his uh, you know end-of-day fantasy total looks okay. But... Uh, that target share has been an issue the last couple weeks, only at 6.4% after it was at a 145 through the first six weeks. That may just be a blip on the radar, but uh, he needs that target share because they just cannot run the ball right now whatsoever um, in between the tackles. So that is where Fournette excels, and the Tampa Bay Bucks just don't have the horses to make it happen right now. He needs to be at six or seven targets a week to have consistent value, and it's you know it's been three and three the past two weeks. So if if he comes out next week and it's three or four again, I I might raise the the red flag here. Yeah, I I agree with that. I think Leonard Fournette, I'm trying to trade away if I can, if I can get a little bit of name value, maybe try and talk about this offense, trying to turn around anything you can do to maybe up his value and get rid of him. I think I I want to. Um, Obviously, the performances haven't been there, and then just the involvement of Rashad White doesn't seem to be going away like I, I had predicted it would. So, you know, a lot of these games are weird. I know Tampa's probably expected to be up in the majority of their games, and it's just been kind of weird situations. But, um, you know, they're they're not taking Rashad White off the field in favor of Leonard Fournette um, often enough, in my opinion. So I agree. I would try and trade him away if you can get good value. Otherwise, um, you just got to really temper your expectations for right now. Yeah, I think that's the the major thing I'm worried about if I'm a Fournette owner is that uh, that the Bucks just eventually make a change and give Rashad White a chance to you know jumpstart this running game because they need to do something. They are I, I believe they are 32nd in the NFL uh, in rushing yards per game right now, so they need to change it up. And I think White's looked good enough to at least maybe give a shot and if he shows out in his uh in his opportunity they might just go with him but we'll see what happens if those targets bounce back next week uh all could be you know forgiven but the, the running game just does not look like something we want to invest in right now yeah um, anything else the thursday night game was beat up so like it's not overly shocking that they're yeah. having issues running the ball similar to the rams when you have no when you have backup offensive linemen starting like you're going to be at a you know disadvantage there so it's just they're that's unfortunate because as good as their skill players are, just in the trenches, they're not good enough to be able to to overwhelm a team. So I just I don't think that the running game is going to be able to turn it around unless they're able to trade for an offensive lineman by tomorrow. 
Yeah, those two situations kind of mirror each other. Yeah, right. Yeah, they could figure things out. Uh, Offensive line issues have a way of, you know, sometimes doing that. But uh, right now it does not look great. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. But it's funny how those two situations mirror each other, the Rams and the Bucks. They actually play each other next week. That'll be an interesting game. Not really sure how that's going to go. But um, next game here is the London affair between Denver and Jacksonville. Denver pulls it off 21-17 in uh, a Denver-like unexciting game. On the Jacksonville side of things, it went pretty much the way we expected. Only 133 pass yards for Trevor Lawrence. This Denver defense, as we've talked about, is very, very good against the pass, and uh, that kind of came to a head here. So I'm not really changing my opinion on Jones uh, or Kirk. They both had tough days, but again, they they had their targets, and we kind of told you that you should expect this from those guys. Evan Ingram kind of actually came through for you from the tight end perspective, but he's uh, he's going to be pretty boomer bust week to week. So not much of an opinion change on the Jacksonville passing game for me. Uh, Travis Etienne really showed out, though. 27 opportunities in this one, 162 total yards and a touchdown. We told you that uh, they might have a pretty good day because Denver has a bit of a run funnel. I didn't know it was going to be this good, though. I feel like those uh, opportunities are maybe a little unsustainable for him. Kind of a smaller guy, uh, slighter build. 27 opportunities a game seems a bit much, but you just love to see the way they're involving him right now. Yeah, for sure. Uh, ETN is, I mean, he's going to be really good. And like you said, dude, 27 opportunities a week, eh, probably not. But even if that comes down a little bit, you're still happy to start him each and every week. So, um, if you you know drafted ETN in the fourth and held on to him through all of those first few weeks of turmoil, congratulations, you got your guy that you thought you were drafting. So uh, that's you know pretty good for a lot of people, I would say. Because once when he had that split with James Robinson, it would have been pretty hard to get rid of him unless someone just really believed in his upside. So good to see him turn it around. And then nothing else on the pass catchers, like you said, they wide receiver three to flex options and kind of just rough. Only 133 yards of passing offense and. Also because of that, Trevor Lawrence was not very good for fantasy either, which you could expect against this really good defense. So pretty pretty uh, expected day for Jacksonville besides ETN probably doing a little bit more than we were expecting, but he, he was pretty good. Yeah, he looked fantastic uh, from the highlights I saw. Luckily, I did not have to watch this one live. Uh, it was a little early in the morning for me <laughs> on, on a Sunday after a late Saturday night, so... Had to watch the uh, the the highlight package of this game, um, and on the Denver side of things, really just uninspiring all around. To be honest, uh, both the running backs scored, so they did okay for you if you played them. Murray led and carries fourteen to nine. Nothing I've seen says that you know that is necessarily a trend. I could easily see it swing back Gordon's way next week. Uh, their bye is next week, so hopefully they uh, can figure things out on offense a little bit more, but. Not excited about either one of these running backs at all. I wouldn't mind if you even had to drop them in a shallower league to uh, pick someone up through the bye. But, you know, both these guys are going to be somewhat usable moving forward, I suppose. I might be worth hanging on to just, you know, this rushing offense isn't even that good if it was just one guy getting all the carries. So I don't love this situation right now for either Murray or Gordon. Uh, do you have any disagreements on the backs here in Denver? No, like like you said, in shallow leagues, these kind of guys, I would I would drop and pick someone with potential upside up. Yeah, and ten teamers. L- let let this let someone else you know clog their roster or potentially start one of these guys for you, and hopefully you're playing them that week because neither of them are going to be um, ex- extraordinary for fantasy football. Obviously, um, touchdowns helped them out quite a bit this week, but. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think these guys are worth rostering through their buy if you're in a shallow league. If you're in a deep league and you just need a, a deep flex play, like I get it, but I'd be looking to try and, you know, throw these guys at the end of a trade to try and push it through before, you know, holding on to them rest of season. And uh, Greg Dulcich uh, looked pretty good again, had uh, four catches on five targets for 87 yards. Uh, I believe all of his catches and all of his yards came on one drive. They started on their own, uh, you know, four or five yard line, and he basically got them all the way down. And then uh, I can't remember if it was Murray or Gordon that ran it in, but I don't know really what to make of that, but I, I think he has looked pretty good. Um, I'll forgive that little anomaly and just focus on the end stat line, which is very solid for a young tight end. He's, you know, shown the ability to catch the ball down the field, and the Broncos need people that can make plays uh, down the field right now. So I, I think he's probably continue going going to continue to get opportunities in this offense. Uh, I would consider holding him through the bye, especially if you have tr- troubles at the tight end spot. He uh, could be a breakout candidate in the second half. But yep. his emergence sort of spells trouble for me for Judy and Sutton. If Russell Wilson's not able to figure out this passing game a little bit more and either up his uh, you know touchdown totals or up his passing yard totals, it's going to be tough to split this pie three ways. When it was just Judy and Sutton, uh, you know, it was okay. But uh, if it's all three of these guys, then you're going to have a tough time deciphering uh, between them each week. Judy had another solid week in this one, but I could easily see it swing back Sutton's way. Uh, it's been sort of that way uh, for most of the year with Russell Wilson. So I would be trying to move off Judy if you can. And then Sutton, I, you just you can't even move off him right now. But, um, you know, I don't love the situation here now that there's a third uh, mouth to feed in the passing game. Yeah, I think this is what a lot of people were concerned about when uh, before Tim Patrick got injured was there was just going to be three exactly. really good options and it was going to get spread around and it was going to be hard to predict. Now, that was also when we thought Russell Wilson was going to be you know somewhat elite still and maybe be able to maintain two of those wide receivers. But um, obviously that has not been the case this year. He's been very unreliable at the least. So I'm with you. Um, I mean – any of these guys, yeah, I, you can't drop Sutton. You just you have to hold him and hope it turns around with Russ just because he's too good. With Judy, I know he had the better week, but, uh, again, if you're in one of those shallower leagues and you had to potentially drop him for someone, I would understand it. Just be, If you had other guys on your team you didn't want to drop over Judy, maybe on the same bye week, I could understand that. Um, but... Yeah, the, the passing game is just going to be rough here. Um, I agreed with you with Dulcich. I think I would hold him through the bye if you are streaming bottom-level tight ends each week and you got your hands on him. Do not put him back out there on the waiver wire. Someone will just go pick him right back up. Um, but as you mentioned with the wide receivers, I mean, it's just it's just rough. Um, I'm starting Sutton every week in our little mini dynasty league, and it has not been fun, uh, You know, nor watching him or looking at his end stat line. So... And Judy, kind of the same. He's been a little bit more involved, but I just I'm not very happy with either of these two options. Yeah, I would not be either, and I think it's going to continue to be a headache unless uh, again the Broncos are able to figure something out over the bye. So we'll see how that uh, shakes out. But for as, now, as um, a as a Broncos fan, just taking fantasy out of it for you, uh, if you had to put blame percentage wise between Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson, what percentage are you putting? I I'm not sure. I, I I think it's fifty fifty in my head. I, I can't say for sure whose whose fault it is. Uh, I feel like 
I mean, even you know, good quarterbacks should be able to overcome bad coaches just because uh, at some point you're you know you're the one on the field throwing the ball, and right. if you don't think a play is going to work, you should be able to you know either say something uh, to the coach or just change it at the line. Um, I I I don't. It's tough for me to say one way or another. I don't like Hackett. Yeah. I, I don't like his schemes. It doesn't look like he's like scheming guys open like some other good offensive minds do. So um, definitely a little yep. blame on both sides. Uh, but again, hopefully the buy. I feel like that's a very fair fair assessment from a Broncos fan. I feel like a lot of people are just putting a lot of it on Hackett just because he's never been a coach before. But yeah, I think there's a little bit little bit to go both ways there. But bye week here. Yeah, you Russ never know what teams look like coming off the bye. So. Just if there's one more week to hold out hope, it's going to be that week after the bye. But if they come out there and look uninspiring again, it's going to be a rough, rough rest of season for fantasy owners. Yeah, it's just so frustrating too because our defense is very elite. I mean, top three in the NFL. Um, I I believe. Oh, in the yeah. pa- I mean, the pass defense looks incredible. Um, and if they could just figure figure out this offense even a little bit, they they might be able to make some noise in the postseason. But we'll see. Yeah, I mean, you guys still um, play the Chiefs twice this year, and I'm still nervous about both games because your defense is so freaking good. And you never know with our defense, it could just be a Swiss cheese, a slice of Swiss cheese one day. So, but sorry, I know little tangent there. We can move on to the next game. But yeah, I just wanted to get your get your temperature check on the Broncos. Yeah, the other the other tr- the other trouble is part of what you mentioned right there is that we have a pretty tough schedule remaining, so they're really going to need to uh, figure out that offense for sure and get it yeah. to a place uh, where it's you know much better than it has been so far. Carolina at Atlanta is our next game. Uh, surprising shootout here in Atlanta again. Uh, if you ever needed a reminder that divisional games are completely unpredictable, sometimes this was it. Thirty-seven, thirty-four. Atlanta wins this one uh, in overtime. On Carolina's side of things, uh, this is pretty much all about Deontay Foreman and DJ Moore. Deontay Foreman had 26 carries for 118 yards and three scores. Played against him in one of my leagues, of course. So that was a fun time to to watch him go absolutely nuts in this one. Um, I, you know, I think he might actually be a pretty good back. He showed pretty well for himself in Tennessee last year. Some people, you know, might have just wrote that off to the the scheme in Tennessee being pretty friendly for running backs, but. Uh, looks like he might actually just be a solid player. Um, that being said, though, I think you might want to sell high on him if you can. Uh, you're probably just going to have to hold on to him. A lot of most season fantasy players aren't going to just buy one performance like this, but I think he's going to end up splitting with Hubbard when he comes back. And uh, Carolina is not going to be scoring 37 very often either. So I think Foreman will be fine moving forward. I think you can find yourself a, a solid, you know, back end RB two for now, and uh, maybe more of a flex play once Hubbard is healthy, but. I think I would sell high if you can capitalize on this ridiculous performance. Do you uh, disagree with that? No, I do not. Um, and it, it You highlighted it perfectly. With Hubbard coming back, you just don't know what's going to end up actually happening in this backfield. Um, whenever I was I was watching or listening to Red Zone on the drive back from St. Louis, and uh, they were talking about how that when, like, when they go from game to game, whatever the local crew that was – calling that game was talking about when they talked to the coaches from the Carolina Panthers and they were talking about specific plays in which they were going to have Hubbard play in and they were they were calling them out as if they basically gave them their like if Hubbard was healthy this is what he was going to do and it, it would take a decent amount away from Foreman so um yeah I you don't have to like sell high definitely if you can but even if you could just go get someone that I think is going to be a more consistent piece that's not in a Gonna what's gonna end up being a timeshare? I would make that move for sure. 
And then DJ Moore with an absolutely huge game in this one. Six for 152 and a touchdown. Obviously, that line pretty uh, bolstered by that last touchdown that he had right at the end of the game. <laughs> um, unfortunately, boneheaded move on his end, taking his helmet off uh, and getting the 15-yard penalty that ended up costing them uh, when they missed the extra point. And then uh, he kind of broke his kicker in the process because he ended up missing the, the short field goal in overtime as well. But... I think DJ Moore's back on the radar as a back-end wide receiver, too. He'll be boom-bust moving forward. Uh, again, P.J. Walker's his quarterback, so you can only expect so much. But, you know, he has this in his bag. He's pretty good. And it seems like he's finally found a quarterback that's at least going to hyper-target him. So even if he'll be inconsistent, I think you, uh, you, know, you can throw him in there in the right matchup. Oh, yeah. I definitely think you can. Um, obviously, this was a, an exceptionally good matchup due to some Atlanta defensive backs being injured as well. So... I think he took advantage of that, but 11 targets. Like I said, when we did our, our pod last uh, Friday, I wanted him to get you know 10 plus. He deserves it. He's a good enough wide, rece- wide receiver to be targeted that amount, so it was good to see it. Um, how much confidence am I going to have week to week? Probably still going to be a little bit hesitant, but with all the teams on by this week, he's definitely going to be in your lineup. And If he can maintain targets, I th- he's going to be fine because he's good enough to make plays with um, you know, even limited receptions if some of those targets are, are you know, bad throws by P.J. Walker, which you're just going to have to expect. Um, but if he can get, you know, 9, 10, 11 on a weekly basis, yes, he's going to be really good for fantasy football. He's a really good player. But um, as long as those targets keep coming, I'm all in on D.J. Moore. But if they start to dry up again, then you're going to see the other side, which is just he is potentially – he could potentially bust on any given week because this offense could completely fall apart any given week. And a little shout-out here to Terrace Marshall. Uh, had a pretty good game in this one. Also had nine targets, four catches for 87 yards. Yep. If um, you know Carolina throws the ball this much, I, I know that's not going to come every week, but their, their upcoming schedule is at Cincy versus Atlanta and then at Baltimore. So they could have to throw quite a bit in those games. Uh, obviously, you just saw what happened against Atlanta in this one, and then uh, Cincy and Baltimore are very good offenses, so you'd expect uh, the – you know, pass volume to be up in those games. Marshall might be uh, worth a look in deeper leagues. Um, on the Atlanta side, Algier uh, ended up kind of saving you with the receiving touchdown. Uh, again, inefficient on the ground, 14 carries, 39 yards, uh, three catches, 46 yards, and that touchdown. But I think his, uh, you know, his days of being a valuable running back are going to come to an end once Patterson is healthy. Uh, he showed himself okay in his time as uh, the lead guy here. Caleb Huntley actually had the better game than him. Uh, we thought he wasn't going to play last time we talked. Uh, so he ended up kind of stealing a lot of Algiers Thunder. But he still did okay for you with that receiving touchdown. And then Kyle Pitts makes an appearance in this one. It's just tough to know if they're ever going to throw 28 times again, but uh, he got nine targets and caught five of them for 80 yards and a score. Uh, if they you know, were to end up opening up the offense and throwing 25 to 30 times a game, which honestly is not a lot to ask, but for Arthur Smith, that is probably 10 or 15 more passes than he wants to throw. So might try to capitalize on this performance uh, on Pitts. It's, it's a little risky just because he is so talented, but... I just do not believe Atlanta, you know, will continue to throw the ball this much. Uh, how do you feel about it? Yeah, they haven't really given you uh, a lot of reason to think they're going to start throwing the ball a lot. Obviously, this game was um, an, an outlier compared to the rest of their season. So, I, you know, with Kyle Pitts, I, I think you could just look at Drake London's stat line, and that's just what the, what Kyle Pitts could have been. And if he would have been that, you would have been unhappy yet again. So, 
Um, if you can capitalize, I think I would just because this offense is going to tend to run the ball. I think when Scordero Patterson's back, he's going to take away a couple of those um, you know, pass attempts as well just because he's a really good receiver out of the backfield. So if you can capitalize on Pitts, I would do so. But if you are just kind of a, you know stuck with holding him and playing him on a weekly basis, you know I, he is going to have good games like this just because he is a good you know, football player in general, but I had to start a guy in the one league that I lost named Drake London, and that could have been Kyle Pitts potentially if, you know, the stat lines flip. So that's just what the other side of the coin is for me. I I would try and, you know, take advantage of that opportunity if you can, but I think that you're probably just stuck with them at this point. I don't know if very many people are going to be convinced on Kyle Pitts off of one week. Yeah, I think that's probably a good point, Um, but... You know, less seasoned fantasy owner, maybe you can trick somebody into yeah. uh, believing in him at this point. But you're you're probably right about that, Coates. Uh, good point on Drake London, though. Uh, I think you can well, probably drop him if it's a ten team or you know less league, especially going into the buy here. Uh, I would probably try to hold him if you can, just because of the talent. But uh, I'd, I understand if you have to, you know, if you can't clog up your bench and you got a few guys on buy, he's uh, he's a drop candidate for sure. Yep, for sure. Uh, Chicago at Dallas, another wild shootout here. Uh, very unexpected. I'd say this is probably one of the most surprising games of the day from a game script perspective. That's uh, 49 to 29. Dallas wins this one. Uh, on the Chicago side, uh, I'm not sure if Dallas's defense was maybe coasting a little bit once they went up three scores. It happened really quick. So. Could have been some of that. Uh, could just be some of Chicago figuring out this rush offense. But uh, they, again, showed themselves pretty well against a tough defense on the road. Justin Fields is becoming pretty interesting from a quarterback perspective, especially in two quarterback leagues. I just love the rush volume he's got right now. Scored three touchdowns in this one. Had eight carries for 60 yards on the ground as, low, as well as 150 through the air. So he's actually looked pretty good. He's just He is really fast from the quarterback position. If he can keep running the ball as much as he is, I think he will work his way into uh, streaming territory. So I'm kind of interested in Justin Fields right now. How do you feel? Yeah, I don't mind that. Um, I, If you're streaming the tight end position and he's out there, I think he's definitely worth a look now. Um, just He is getting some good design to rush, uh, rushing opportunities, but he's also taking off with his legs when things aren't developing downfield, which is where he's really improving, um, both on the NFL field and for fantasy football, because he's not just holding it back there taking sacks. Um, he still does, but it, he's getting better with it, which is what we wanted to see, especially in his second year. So for fantasy, if you're streaming the position, um, I'm not sure who they play in week nine. When we go through week nine, he's probably going to be in the streaming category for quarterbacks. So um, definitely take a look at matchups and who else is out on your waiver wire, but he's definitely someone that should be in consideration for you. Next three matchups for Justin Fields, Miami at home, Detroit at home, at Atlanta. That Go get is Justin Fields. Yeah, that yes. is. So he has about he could have three really good weeks for fantasy football and really just kind of put himself on the map. I mean, those are three juicy matchups. Yeah, I think if he's he's got his opportunity here to uh, become a you know option at the quarterback position for fantasy for sure. So if he uh, we'll know that if he doesn't come through in these next three weeks, we can probably just you know not believe in this two game blip that he's had uh, here against New England and Dallas. Uh, the running backs are the other storyline in this game. Uh, Khalil Herbert had 16 carries for 99 yards and a score. 
He was once again much more efficient than David Montgomery, uh, who had 15 for 53, caught three passes for 22 yards as well. But uh, Montgomery's snap share is still uh, vastly above uh, what Khalil is uh, putting on right now. Uh, Matt Montes was 70% in this game. Khalil's was 28 So that is a pretty large disparity. That's, like, that's, that's RB1 workhorse stuff right there. So until that comes a lot closer to even. I think I'm still leaning Monty over Herbert week to week, but uh, you have to think that Chicago's coaching staff might just look at this situation and start giving Herbert more opportunities because he's looked uh, you know, better on the ground per touch. So uh, I think that's definitely a possibility, but as of now, we're still looking at Monty as a starter, at least I am. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with you. I think with Herbert, um, he may be a good trade for candidate if if the team that has him maybe is just has a good roster and he's just not you know not going to crack that that starting roster unless he uh, becomes just a clear workhorse here. But I think he you know Tony Pollard's a startable fantasy asset. Kareem Hunt's a weekly startable fantasy asset. If this is if this becomes more of a sixty to forty percent split, then I think we can put Herbert in there pretty confidently. Right now, it's you know he's really making the most out of his opportunities, which you love to see. Now, twenty-eight percent snap share is a little bit concerning because if he doesn't get you know if he gets half that opportunities and he's a little less efficient, then he duds on you. But I don't know. I mean, some good running backs going into the bye, um, you know, this upcoming week. So I think if you had to start uh, Herbert in a pinch, I, I think I could I could see that being okay. Like you said, you're just kind of hoping that it starts swinging that way um, a little bit more, but. Are you okay with starting Herbert, or are you still just holding him for now and, and playing Monty? I think you can in a pinch. Uh, I would be worried about his floor. Uh, I think that if they get into a script against Miami, for, uh, for example, next week where they go down a couple scores, uh, you yeah, can see a lot more sure. Montgomery. seems like he plays more on the uh, you know the passing downs. In this one, the, games, uh, the game was just so back and forth from an offensive perspective that you just had so much play volume that Herbert ended up with those 16 touches. But I think if, uh, you know, the game gets slowed down a little bit on the, um, on, on the other side, you're not going to get 49, 29 every week. So I, I don't expect these type of numbers for, uh, all of the, the options on Chicago every week. Um, but I, I think Herbert's definitely somebody to hold on to. And then that maybe that Detroit matchup in two weeks would be a good one to throw him in there. And, um, on the Dallas side, their offense came out absolutely firing in this one. Dak played a, a much better game than I expected. Uh, did kind of end up with a lower volume day, which is sort of what we thought, but uh, ended up cashing in on his opportunities and had a good fantasy day for you. So uh, 250 and 2 through the air with a pick, but also five carries for 34 yards and a touchdown. They ran him on a few designed runs, which I have not seen from him uh, in a while. That was good to see for his fantasy value for sure, especially that touchdown run. Uh, if they can get him, you know, five or six carries a game, that'll give him a nice baseline that I did not think he would have coming into the year. So that was good to see on Dak's uh, Dax side. And then Tony Pollard, absolutely nuclear in this one in the second half, especially uh, 14 carries. That's all he needed, though. 131 yards and three scores. Uh, caught his only target for 16 yards as well. Continues to look far better than Ezekiel Elliott on a per touch basis, but. Uh, the Cowboys will not go away from him. Jerry Jones came out today and said as much, basically. So uh, they're going into their bye next week. I would expect Zeke to be healthy and this to be back to uh, the split that we have basically seen so far. But Pollard is, uh, you know, he's capable of these type of games week to week. I mean, he's, you know, he only got 15 opportunities in this one. He's usually around 10 to 12. So in the right matchup, you can uh, definitely still play him. But just know it's 
probably not going to be this good uh, moving forward. Yeah, nope. If you played him in absence of Zeke and took advantage of that, good job. That's that's a great week from Pollard. But yeah, it's just it's going to be a lot of what it was now. With if D- Zeke gets back out there and you know starts to have a bad you know bad couple drives, bad couple games, maybe you, you can see Pollard get a little bit more work. But yeah, the the way Jerry Jones thinks, I think that he is going to put his uh, big money guy out there as much as he possibly can, and then. Um, yeah, CeeDee Lamb also had a good game. Dalton Schultz had a pretty good game on the receiving side. So uh, it was good to see, especially Dalton Schultz, um, have a good game going into the bye week. Now I feel, you know, if you're streaming that position or, you know, looking at lower end options at that position, you could hold him through the bye for sure. So it was good to see that. Yeah, I think he is uh, probably in the low end starting tier now, uh, especially with Dak back. Seems like they just have a connection, and he's yep. been much better when uh, Dak's been in the lineup as opposed to Cooper Rush. But yeah, Lamb and uh, Schultz look like the leaders in the passing game right now. I'm still probably holding on to Gallup if you can. If you got to drop him, I don't mind yeah. it. But um, he should see better days ahead. Again, uh, in games, they have to throw a little bit more. Obviously, a lot of points in this one, but uh, only 27 attempts uh, from the quarterback, so not a ton yep. to go around for the pass catchers. Uh, Miami at Detroit, our next one, another high-scoring affair here. This one uh, a little bit more expected, though. Miami ends up winning at 31-27. Um, on the Miami side, Tua absolutely lit up this line. Secondary, they did not have a chance against uh, Tyreek or Jalen Waddle. They just could not cover either one of those players whatsoever. Tua was 29 of 36 for 382-3. and three. Um, That's a beautiful line from Tua. Uh, again, these these two wide receivers are just absolutely incredible, and he hyper-targets them as he should. 25 of his 36 throws go to Waddle and Hill, and both of them had ridiculous days. Waddle, 8 for 106 and 2. Hill, 12 for 188. They're both very good, and uh, I think Tua is a solid you know, low-end starter rest of year. And I, I think you just, as soon as you saw the Lions go up uh, two scores early in this game, I, I said to myself, Tua's going to have a huge day because they're just going to have to drop back and rip it. And honestly, he could have had a bigger day. The, the Lions offense just completely turned off in the second half. They had 27 at halftime. So if the Lions could have you know, scored a couple more times, really made Tua push the envelope, he might have broke the passing record. I thought that was a, a legit possibility early in this game. Um, but... Yeah, he this all this Miami offense just looks very good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I'm just going to mention his name, Mike Kosicki. He did get in the end zone again. I know there's a couple tight ends going on by. I still, you know, he's a streamable tight end, but you do use at your own risk is all I'm going to say. I probably won't be looking to pick him up in any leagues, but if he finds the end zone, I can't blame someone else for picking him up. Um, and then Mostert had a bad day, but moving forward, he's still the guy that I want out of this backfield. It just became a passing game script, like you said, from basically the second quarter on. So um, Waddle and Hill took full advantage of that. And anytime I get a little you know, too high about myself, I just go back to when I used to say, how could Tua ever, you know, how could he support two wide receiver ones for fantasy football? <laughs> that just uh, sounds silly nowadays. Yeah, I mean, I was right there with you, though, so I don't blame you. Uh, Tua has obviously stepped into a you know another tier of quarterback this year. Uh, we weren't sure if that was going to happen, and there was fair reason to believe that it wasn't, honestly. So uh, yeah. good on Tua for improving his play, but I don't really blame us for the analysis we gave. Uh, a lot of people were kind of in the same boat as we were. 
Um, and then, yeah, on Gesicki, only four targets, like you said. Um, I, I don't mind him as a streamer just because he is on a good offense that's going to have more touchdown opportunities than most teams. But, yeah, again, he's a distant third option in this passing game, and you don't really love to bet on guys that are, uh, you know, in that position. So uh, the running backs just kind of got phased out of this game plan. Again, they went down pretty big. Not really worried about them, uh, especially Mostert, obviously, uh, being the starter. He looked okay when he got the ball, just didn't get a ton yep. of work because the, the, you know, the Dolphins were chasing points for most of this game. On the Detroit side, it was a nice bounce back for the offense overall, even though they did kind of dud in the second half. Um, DeAndre Swift bailed out with a touchdown. Uh, I think he will be more worked in in coming weeks. He came out after the game and said he's still not 100%, so um, we shouldn't have been too surprised, I guess, by the workload after hearing that. He uh, still played 55% of the snaps, so uh, as long as he is living in that range, I think that will come up a little bit. You know, If he's at 60 65%, Swift will be just fine. And then Jamal Williams is just so involved around the goal line. He can be started basically any week. I think his touches might come down a little bit, but this offensive line is so good, and Williams is just clearly the goal line back. Uh, I think he's as good a bet for a touchdown on the ground as anybody week to week just because anytime the Lions get the ball within the you know the five-yard line and in, they can basically just hammer Williams a couple times and almost guarantee themselves a touchdown because this O-line is fantastic. Uh, do you have anything to add on the Lions' backs? Well, when you're also, you know, slamming Williams up the middle three times in a row, you don't have to worry about Jared Goff throwing the football in the red zone. So I think there's a lot of strategy <laughs> bad call. with the way the Lions uh, play the red zone. But, yeah, no, I I agree. I, I was a little hesitant on Williams. I was hoping Swift would come back and kind of, you know, get a little bit more out of this backfield. But until we see Swift really dominate, I think Williams is a fine player week to week. Um, you know, he does have a – a little bit of a low floor if he doesn't get in the end zone and Swift kind of takes over that backfield. But like I said, until it happens, it, if they get inside the five, I don't expect to see DeAndre Swift out there. No, I don't think so. Even when he's fully healthy, it's it's going to be Williams inside the five-yard line. But Swift is just so good uh, in the open field. Reminds me of uh, LeGarrette Blunt, like three or four years ago. The Patriots would get it all the way down to like the three-yard line, and then it was just LeGarrette Blunt two or three times for the touchdown. <laughs> so yeah, very very similar situation here with Williams. Uh, and then St. Brown, the other guy that we're looking at at this offense, uh, he didn't have a great game. I thought he might show out a little better against this banged-up secondary, but still ended up with seven for 69 through the air, had 10 targets. So I think he'll be better moving forward, probably still working back from the injuries a little bit and – Again, uh, if 7 for 69 is a bad game, I think you'll be just fine uh, overall. Hawkinson ended with 3 for 80 as well, but, you know, he was okay. He's that he's that quintessential tight end 7 week to week, and he is, yep, he is still that guy. So not much uh, difference on the, the Lions guys other than, uh, you know, what we talked about with the backs. Yep. Arizona at Minnesota, another high-scoring game here. It's a theme. Uh, basically, all the 12 o'clock games were this way, other than the, the next game we'll talk about, which we'll get to in a second. But on the uh, the Arizona side of things, uh, Minnesota ended up taking this one 34-26, by the way. Forgot to mention that. But on the Arizona side, I think we may have uh, you know a formula here for fantasy success, uh, at least right now. Uh, the running game has struggled. Uh, Kyler Murray, I think, still needs to run the ball more for them to open things up in that regard. They had the good week uh, two weeks ago, or excuse me, uh, yeah, two weeks ago against the Saints. The, the rushing game looked okay, but there was a couple big plays in that game, so it might have been a little fluky. 
DeAndre Hopkins and Rondell Moore showed out in this one, though. Hopkins, 12 for 159 and a score. Moore, 7 for 92 and a score. Uh, Hopkins, I, I think I might have misread his value a little bit just because this, this defense uh, was not nearly this bad last year. So they may just have to get back there and chuck it way more often than they uh, would like to. Um, and if that's the case, Hopkins might end up seeing, you know, this kind of target share week to week. And uh, he's very, very good at football still. So there's no need to worry about any decline in play. He uh, he looked great against Minnesota and should be a solid or maybe back-end wide receiver one moving forward. But if you knew that coming into the year, you would have probably drafted him a round or two higher than we were, uh, we were looking at him. So... I love the way that Hopkins has looked so far. And then for Moore, I, I think he's a solid flex play week to week. You know, especially if this, de again, this defense is bad, so they're going to have to chuck it quite a bit. I think TDs are going to be hard to come by for him, but uh, if you're looking at eight targets from Rondale Moore, uh, he's going to be fine in, you know, most formats week to week, especially half and uh, full PPR. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, yeah, Rondale Moore will be probably a pretty good fantasy option until. Uh, Hollywood Brown comes back. So if he's out there in your waiver wires or if you're wide receiver needy, I think that he is someone that you can plug and play. Uh, Hopkins, I was really high on him coming back. I, I'm glad to see that that you know, kind of prediction is paying off here. But one thing I, you know, I kind of mentioned, but even going back with the draft, you know, if Hollywood Brown's still healthy in this offense, I don't know if he's getting this much workload. Um, but yeah, it's just it is what it is. You know, Hollywood literally got hurt the week that Hopkins was coming back, so you just replaced a wide receiver one with another one. So, kind of worked out for fantasy football if you drafted Hopkins and held on to him uh, for those first six weeks for sure. Yeah, you're right. The formula really laid itself out for Hopkins there. Uh, more if you had told me Hollywood Brown gets injured week six and <laughs> Hopkins comes back to his number one role, yeah, I would have absolutely drafted him two rounds earlier. But that's just an an insane prediction to have happen. And the rushing game is in shambles, and the defense is horrible. Yeah, the formula is there for Hopkins right now. So at least for now, uh, he is a you know lineup lock for sure. Yep. And then uh, Kyler Murray, I think he's going to be a really good fantasy option as well. Might not might not be the best NFL quarterback, at least uh, not right now, uh, with kind of the Cardinals sort of putting all of the weight on his shoulders. Uh, again, uh, not much of a rushing game, and the defense is bad. So uh, this is a recipe for fantasy goodness for quarterbacks, though. I think he's a, he's a solid starter the rest of season. I'd put him probably one or two spots ahead of Tua, who we just talked about uh, moving forward, just because... I think there's going to be a lot of games like this one, um, you know, in in the future weeks to come. Here, it looks like he's found a little bit more of a rhythm at, uh, with Hopkins than he had, uh, you know, the few games previous yep. to that. So, for sure. I uh, I like Kyler quite a bit rest of year for uh, for fantasy. If you find anybody that's maybe worried about him, just because he again he did not play a very pretty NFL game by any means. So, found anybody that just doesn't like that part of his game, I, I might be willing to. You know, pay up for a little bit for him if you are, if you're maybe a Tom Brady manager or somebody else struggling at quarterback. Yeah, if you're someone who's been shrewing the quarterback position, maybe you have a really solid roster, but you just want to kind of sure up that position for playoff push. Kyler's definitely a guy to go out there and push for. Um, yeah, and if you are trying to trade for him, maybe send the guy who has uh, who has Kyler all of Kyler's sideline moments that they catch on camera because he is optically probably the worst quarterback in the NFL. I don't know if you caught any of this game, but I was I caught just you know hit, hit bits and pieces while I was driving back, and like every time they panned to Kyler Murray, he looked like he was just like 
the most pissed off person in the world every single time. I was like, goodness gracious, this guy looks miserable. Yeah, his body language is pretty horrible for uh, a starting quarterback in the NFL. He definitely needs to probably mature a little bit. I think, you know, there is a lot of potential here, though. He would just, just, Cliff, run the ball with Kyler Murray more often. Do designed runs. He's the fastest guy on the field, and it just, it's going to open up so much for this offense. But, you know, if they ever start doing that, he could he could get back to being the, the QB1 he was at the beginning of last year. Yep. Um, and then on the Minnesota side, uh, there's not really much to say here. I think we were all already pretty high on these options. All of them performed pretty well. Uh, the touchdowns went uh, the way of the ground game for the most part here. So, uh, And then Cousins threw uh, one to K.J. Osborne. And then I believe he threw another one to another auxiliary option on this offense. So Jefferson and Thielen did not get the touchdowns in this one, but they both still had solid days. Dalvin Cook looked good. Even Madison got in the end zone. Uh, it was Johnny Munt. That's right, of course, the backup tight end. Yeah, um, not Irv Smith, and then even Kirk. <laughs> right, right, exactly. And then uh, even Cousins ended up with three touchdowns in this one. So pretty much all the options took advantage of the easy matchup at home, as you would expect them to do. So um, For sure. Good on them. And then uh, this next game uh, is the, the big dud of the 12 o'clock slate. That was Las Vegas at New Orleans, uh, 24 to zero. I have a mistake in my notes here. It's New Orleans that won this one, 24 to zero. On the Las Vegas side, uh, oof, Malone is all I have to say about this. I see a lot of people blaming Josh McDaniels online and just on Twitter from the reactions I saw, but this is a classic Derek Carr game. Uh, he has a couple of these every year. I remember uh, pretty distinctly. I don't believe it was last year, maybe the, even the year before, but there was a game against Atlanta on the road where they got absolutely shellacked. Play. I think it was like forty-three to six or forty-three to zero, something ridiculous. And you know, coming into that matchup, Atlanta had been a very bad defense. Uh, sort of the same story that we wrote here for New Orleans. They were not very good coming into this matchup, and then uh, they just completely shite the bed as an offense uh, on on the uh, on the day as a whole. And I think I have a stat of the game here. This is almost too incredible to be true, but it is. And uh, this sort of just is a microcosm for the day. The Raiders did not cross midfield until 2.20 was left in the fourth quarter, and Jarrett Stidham was the quarterback. Oh, you got it. Uh, I was going to ask you if you knew who was quarterback when it happened. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I think uh, I think that says all you need to know about these Raiders options. No one had a good day. Um, I, I'm not really worried about Josh Jacobs or Devontae Adams long term. This is just a complete dud of a game. Uh, I think the offense will be better moving forward again. Derek Carr just sort of has these days every now and then, and uh, I'm you know just, you're just writing it off and moving on if you got Adams or Jacobs. Yeah, absolutely. And if you have anyone that is potentially worried about these guys, like we always say, those are those are trade for yep. candidates. Right, running mm-hmm. back one, wide receiver one. If anyone's ever low on those kind of guys, go get them. That's how you win championships. Yeah, not worried about them really at all. I pretty much have no. the same opinion of them as I did coming into the game. So definitely, if somebody's worried about them, go ahead and uh, go get them. On the New Orleans side, this was just basically the Alvin Kamara game. Um, he had three total touchdowns, uh, over 150 total yards. I played him and Deontay Foreman in a league. That was very fun. Uh, he's very good at football. And uh, as we, we kind of told you, the TD luck came back his way this week. That was something that we were looking for. Uh, he had not scored yet this year. He had three in this one. That's just kind of how football goes sometimes. A lot of the time, uh, you know, regression to the mean is a real thing. And 
Alvin Kamara saw a hard regression to the mean in the positive direction here today. So he had a nuclear day. If you had him on your team, good for you. You almost certainly won. But I, I know I had a few blow-up games myself and ended up losing, so maybe not. But it would be hard to lose with Alvin Kamara on your team this week. Um, and then the rest of the guys on the offense, do you want to add anything on Kamara, Cody, or... Nope, he's really good. These are the kind of games you had, you drafted him for. So I, right. absolutely nothing on Kamara. Uh, yeah, really good game. Glad to see him get the touchdowns. That's what he really needed. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It's just it just sort of works that way in football a lot of the time. You see, there's no touchdowns for seven games, and then three and one. Uh, it, it always sort of comes back to even for guys in that regard. Yep. Uh, but then. Alave was a little quiet, only 5 for 52 on seven targets. But, again, I'm not worried about him at all. This was just Alvin Kamara did not leave much for anybody else. And then the Raiders put absolutely zero scoreboard pressure on the Saints. So once they went up by, uh, you know, double digits in the second half, they didn't have to throw the ball at all. And that's sort of the reason Alave had a down game. He's still very good, not worried about him moving forward in the slightest. Anything else on uh, New Orleans and Vegas? Nope, I think you nailed it. Uh, Pats at Jets is our next game here. The uh, Patriots end up winning 22-17. to The New York Jets can still not get it over their New England Demons. Uh, we'll see if they can in their last matchup this year. But I believe that, terrible. yes, he is. Uh, the Patriots are 13-0 and against the Jets in their last 13 matchups. So uh, we'll see if they can break that streak anytime <laughs> soon. Um, on the Patriots' side... Stevenson had another good game in this one, in large part due to his passing game involvement. I think that's the most encouraging part about what I've seen from him. Uh, I think or Harris ended up kind of working in a little bit more in this one, especially on the rushing side, but it looks like Stevenson has kind of cemented himself as that passing downs back. Maybe when Ty Montgomery comes back, things change, but he's just looked really good, so I would, it'd be, I think I'd be, New England would be hard-pressed to stop giving him the ball right now, uh, the way this offense is just... You know, just very okay, uh, especially on the quarterback side. So you'd think that they want to get their uh, their playmaking running back involved as much as they can. Uh, so I think he'll be a solid RB two moving forward. Um, uh, Damian will probably Damian Harris will probably still get you know more worked in as the year goes. But you know, twenty four opportunities for Stevenson. There's room for him to come down a little bit and still be a very solid option. Do you have any uh, disagreements on Harris and Stevenson? No, I don't think so. There. Um... I guess my, my question for you would be on Stevenson's value. Um, do you just have him as like a low-end flex play for right now until you kind of see more for him, or are you just holding him completely and not playing him? You mean Harris? Yes. If I said Stevenson, he's, my bad. I meant Damian Harris. Right. Okay, yeah. Uh, Harris, I probably wouldn't drop him. Um, I, I think a flex play in the right matchup, in a matchup you think maybe New England will be winning and will have the opportunity to run the ball quite a bit, but uh, I think you got to be careful with him because his floor is going to be pretty low, especially if he's not catching any passes and Stevenson still has half the rushing work. It's, it's going to be hard for yeah. Harris unless he's scoring touchdowns. Uh, but definitely, I would not drop him. I think he could be useful moving forward. I'd probably just wait and see on him for now, though. Yep. And uh, Jacoby Myers is the only pass catcher you want here. Had 12 targets. Uh, I don't have the stats in front of me right now, but I believe that was about 40% of Mac Jones' throws. He is the only guy you can play uh, on the Patriots other than Ramondre Stevenson right now. Yep. And then on the Jets' side, uh, Michael Carter was still the lead guy in this backfield. Did not have an opportunity to get the run game going in this one, uh, and especially after they went down, it was pretty much just all Zach Wilson throwing the ball, which did not lead to great things for them. 
But uh, Carter, 14 opportunities, seven carries, seven targets. I think Robinson will be worked more in uh, worked in more in future weeks. But uh, I believe Carter and their other back, uh, his name is escaping me, but I believe uh, they will be more of the passing downs guys. So when when the Jets go down like this, Robinson's probably going to be phased out of the game plan for the most part. That's sort of just how these guys have profiled so far in their careers, and that's sort of what we saw play out. So it, it would make sense for that to be the case for me. Um, yep. Do you have uh, anything to add on these Jets uh, running backs? No, I don't think so. Um, I, yeah, no, I think you nailed it. I don't want to ramble on about the Jets running back situation. <laughs> yeah, not neither one of them are very exciting plays uh, to any right. degree. But exactly, uh, Zach Wilson, as you mentioned, not very good at playing the quarterback position, uh, especially against the Patriots. Few are, especially the, those that wear a Jets uniform, but he looked especially bad on Sunday. Ended up uh, with 355 yards and two touchdowns, but threw three picks and was 20 of 41. So uh, need to get better there to uh, you know have some viability for these pass catchers. It was nice to see the 41 throws, but you know only 20 completions is just not going to get it done. Garrett Wilson, uh, one of the few guys that actually had a pretty high catch rate in this one for the Jets. He had six catches on seven targets, but uh, I would like to see his target share come up a little bit. Only 17% in this one. Did end up with 115 yards, kind of showed his explosiveness, but um, unless his target share spikes or uh, we see Zach Wilson getting back there and slinging at 40 times a game on the regular, then I think he's going to be a pretty consist- a pretty inconsistent option moving forward. And... Um, you know, I, I don't think the Jets want to see Zach Wilson throwing it forty times a game. It, it does not work out very well for them. Yeah, one of those uh, three, one of those three interceptions was actually a ball he was just trying to throw to the sideline, but I saw he did one. not make yep. it to the sideline. So that's that was kind yeah, of what I was hinting at whenever I said they hit the quarterback play is probably why they lost that game. But um, yeah, they, he could have parked that thing in the third row if he wanted to, but he decided to just. Give it a little time. That that was one of the worst interceptions I've ever seen. And he, honestly, his I don't know if it was his second or his third one, but it was pretty soon after that pick he threw one, another one, just twenty yards over the head of a receiver. I mean, just horrible interception. So he is, yeah, he's not he's not there right now. He's going to need to get quite a bit better for uh, these options to be consistent, in my opinion. Yeah, and then other than that, the one thing I really have to say about the Jets is they've looked like they really missed Brees Hall. Um, they do not want to rely on Zach Wilson throwing the football 40 times. So, um, yeah, if, if the Jets get down big, I could see Robinson being phased out, but I think they still want a, a not a true workhorse, but a real one and two down back to try and lean on. And I think Robinson's probably going to get worked into that rule a little bit more than Carter would have. So, Long term, if you have Robinson, I think he's still worth the hold. I think he'll probably become the the you know first down back, maybe first and second down back by you know the time fantasy playoffs come around. So we'll see how how it works out these next couple of weeks. But I'm not I'm not incredibly discouraged. I kind of expected Robinson to barely play this week, um, and then the game plan just never really kind of fit what he was, you know, what his specialty is and. I don't know. I think they they want they want to run the football. So I want I still want James Robinson. It's just how long is it going to take until he kind of you know can take over the backfield? Yeah, I think I would hold on to him too. Here's the problem though: uh, Buffalo next week. So good luck uh, yep, keeping up in that game. Him. A bye, 
and then at New England again. So are you playing him in any three? Obviously not the bye. Uh, probably not against Buffalo next week, and probably not well, at New yeah, England after what we just saw. Coming so. off a new, yeah, coming off the bye, are you going to trust that they're they're going to lean on Robinson, especially after they probably get blown out against Buffalo? Yeah, that's that's tough. I I yeah, you you stumped me there because I I have yeah, Robinson ten team in leagues. One of my if leagues, you have tough. to drop Robinson, I don't mind it. I would try to hold on to him though, because like you said, I think the Jets team, this Jets team, they gave up capital to get him. They want to uh, establish the run, so could have viability later in the year. But it's going to be a tough couple weeks here for the Jets, most likely. Yep. Um, Pittsburgh at Philadelphia is our next game. Philadelphia crushed the Steelers thirty five thirteen at home. This game pretty much went as we expected, to be honest, um, and maybe even to a more certain degree than we uh, than we said it was. But um, another tough outing for Najee in this one. Eight rushes for 32 yards, six for six through the air for 26 yards. Um, but I still maintain my buy low stance. Nothing really changed as far as uh, his role in the offense. It was just, again, uh, the, the passing game. Kind of took over in this one because they were down so big so early and they could not get the uh, the running game going. And at least he saw six targets in this one, kind of saved your day in a PPR format. But uh, if they have some some easier matchups moving forward, I think uh, we could see a slight bounce back here from Najee in the second half of the year. His value has got to be in the absolute basement right now in redraft leagues. So do you uh, disagree with me on Najee or do you are you just totally out on the Steelers offense? Um, I w- I'm going to lean on the side that I want to be out on this Steelers offense entirely. Um, like you said, Najee's value, especially in just a complete redraft league, is completely in the tank. So in one of my leagues, I currently have DeAndre Swift, which I'm hoping his season can turn around. And then I had Brace Hall, who is obviously out for the rest of the season. So my you know second running back position is going to be Tony Pollard, Khalil Herbert, uh, maybe Alexander Madison if Dal- Dalvin Cook gets hurt. So kind of in a stu- you know, stumped position there. I may go see what the Najee owner would want for him. Just because I need someone to put in my lineup. I have some extra wide receivers I could trade. If you're in that kind of situation, I can understand going to make the move. But other than that, I want I want nothing to do with this Pittsburgh offense. And honestly, they just... I know Philadelphia is really good. I'm not going to try and hold this game too much against them. But they're going into their bye... Let's see what they look like after their bye. I'm going to put a hold on that one there because maybe get Kenny Pickett two weeks to kind of just get, you know, everything back under control. Maybe they can come out and look solid. But if I had to bet, I would bet against it. Yeah, I don't mind that. I, I just think once they play some, you know, other barrel basement teams, they might have yeah. some some more opportunities to get Najee going. He'll have some more touchdown opportunities. And I think if you're maybe a team with a winning record right now and you're you, maybe you had Brees Hall or you, you've had a, some injuries at the running back position, you need to take a, a swing for the fences. Najee's not a bad guy to go after, especially if the, uh, the Najee owner is, you know, three and six or is struggling right now and kind of just needs somebody for this next week because he's going to be on a bye. Um, and then the wide receiver is totally dotted in this one, basically across the board. Um, Pickens, no catches on three targets. Deontay had nine targets but only caught five for 35 in this one. Um, I I had kind of just noticed that Deontay has been getting incredible amounts of targets each week and doing absolutely nothing with them, so I wanted to look this up. Uh, I have a pretty good stat of the game here for you. Deontay has 76 targets on the year. His yards per target is 4.9, which if uh, you are not in the know on yards per target, that is 
very bad. Uh, he is a full 1.3 yards lower than the next lowest wide receiver with at least 50 targets this year, and that is Chase Claypool. <laughs> On his same team, Chase Claypool has 50 targets. Uh, I thought that was a pretty good stat, but... Um, yeah, 4.9 yards per target says all you need to know. Uh, just imagine, you know, if you get 10 targets and you have 4.9 yards per target, that's 49 yards. That's that's not going to get it done. Yeah, absolutely not. That is for sure. That is uh, really rough. I think you've been you've been on the out of Deontay train for quite a while. I've taken a little bit longer to get on there, but yeah, unless it's a full PPR format, Deontay Johnson can get can get benched and. I don't want to say you should drop them, you know, with the buy, but if you're in a pickle and you have to, I, I don't blame you because it's not going to be, like you said, just overall for this offense, I would bet against it getting a lot better. If I was going to bet on one player, it'd be Najee just based on, you know, the need to run the football just in general. And then uh, on Philadelphia's side, uh, A.J. Brown just went absolutely nuclear in this one. Uh, six for 11, 156 yards and three scores. Just didn't leave much else for the other pass catchers. I think Goddard ended up with a solid day, had like six for 60, something around there. Um, but Devontae Smith did not do much. Uh, again, you know, uh, Jalen Hurts ends up with 285 and four, and A.J. Brown had 156 and three. So just not a lot of the of the pie was left over. A.J. Brown took it all for himself in this one. And um, obviously, as I just said, 285 and four for Jalen. Uh, didn't have to run much in this one just because the passing game worked so well. So continue to be impressed by his improvement as a passer. And I have another stat of the game here. I just saw this on my feed a little bit ago. I thought it was a pretty incredible one. A.J. Brown on the year has 659 receiving yards. All Titans wide receivers combined have 658, Cody. That, if that's not <laughs> telling uh, of just how that season has gone for both these teams, I don't know what is. That, uh, that is pretty incredible that he is outgaining all of the receivers on the Titans combined. That, uh, that is hard to do. It's with a bye week as well for A.J. Brown. So that's not even like a stat that could be misconstrued or anything. He's he's already had the bye, and he's still better than every other Titans wide receiver out there. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty incredible. I think if you would have told the Eagles uh, on draft night that this would have happened, they probably would have gave up their first and second round pick for A.J. Brown. Yeah. And, and the Titans probably still would have questioned about if they should take that or not. Because, yeah, the Tennessee Titans look like if Derrick Henry's not out there or not carrying that offense, there's no chance of them making the playoffs. And Philadelphia looks like a Super Bowl contender right now. Um, or is definitely in the top three with, with the Bills and Chiefs. So, um, yeah, huge, huge W of a trade for Philadelphia. They, they look amazing on offense. Yeah, Sanders had a good game in this one, too, 78 and a yep. touchdown on the ground. Only nine carries, but, again, they just went up by so much. They ended up just kind of working in Boston Scott and some other guys, uh, not yep. worried about him at all. He's the starter there. Um, Tennessee at Houston, a much less interesting game to talk about from a fantasy perspective. Houston, uh, excuse me, Tennessee wins it 17-10. to 10. On the Tennessee side, there's only one guy we need to talk about, and that's Derrick Henry. He continues to absolutely own the Texans. This is now four straight games. He has had 200-plus yards and two touchdowns against the Texans. I don't know how that is possible. I feel like at some point, Houston, you just got to put nine guys in a box and make them do something other than hand it to Derrick Henry. But I don't know. I didn't watch this game. Maybe they did, and he just still rumbled through them. But I, just, I find it incredible that they did not – 
act like they were going to do anything other than hand him the ball, and he was still this successful. Um, Derrick Henry's very good, and he will continue to be the entire Titans offense moving forward. So uh, for yep. better or for worse, Derrick Henry is in your lineup moving forward for sure. Yep, for sure. And if there was ever going to be a game to uh, just stack the box with nine players, it'd probably be Malik Willis's uh, debut as a quarterback. So <laughs> maybe they did, maybe they didn't, but they could not stop Derrick Henry at all today. Uh, or, I'm sorry, yesterday. He was amazing, and I do owe him a thank you because he carried me to a win. So much appreciated, Mr. Henry. And his backup went 8 for 83 as well. So I, I just don't understand what the Houston Texans were doing on defense in this one. I feel like uh, they should have just been selling out to stop the run, and clearly they weren't. Um, they couldn't figure out where A.J. Brown was the entire game. They were just looking around trying to find where A.J. Brown's at. <laughs> yeah, apparently uh, they were a little worried about him, even though he was uh, you know, halfway across the country dominating the Steelers. Um, and then on the Houston side, this offense uh, had one of the worst days, I think, if not for the, you know, the Raiders' performance would have been uh, a little bit more on the, you know, the docket here of just how bad they were. 161 total yards in this one, uh, but even that is incredibly deceiving. 161 for a full game, very, very bad. Uh, but 90 of those 161 came on the final drive when they were down 17 to three with four minutes left. Absolutely pathetic showing in this one. Uh, so 71 total yards with four minutes left when they got the ball. Uh, that is just absolutely not going to get it done in any respect. Uh, just disappointed in Davis Mills and the passing game generally. Uh, this Titans front seven is pretty good, so I wasn't too surprised to see uh, Damian Pierce have a low-efficiency outing in this one. Uh, Davis Mills just could not make them respect the passing game to any degree, so it was pretty easy for them to just sack the box and stop Pierce. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but like you said, Pierce's workload remains, you know, pretty strong. So I'm not going to be too worried. No, not worried about him. Nope. The offense is what it is. It's going to have dud weeks. Luckily, he got in the end zone, so he didn't completely dud out on you. But yep. um, was looking like it was going to be for the majority of that game. Uh, Cooks, yes, we're going to have to start having some conversations about him. Um, I think he he's still the one in this offense, just slightly, but not not as strongly as we all had hoped coming into this season. But I think that may just say a little bit more about Davis Mills than anything. Uh, Brandon Cooks has been able to usually survive bad quarterback play throughout his career, but I guess maybe not throughout his career. He's had some pretty good quarterbacks. I'm not gonna don't want to get on the record saying that. I would say in Houston, right. <laughs> he's had some some luck with iffy quarterbacks, but um, yeah, it's gonna right. be a conversation next week. We'll see. You know, it's gonna be situational, but you know, Cooks may find himself on the bench, and I don't think we uh, would have projected that to start the season. So. Tough no, to uh, just the target share is just not there right now. Six yep. looks in this one. Ended up with an okay line, four for 73. Again, a lot of that came on that final drive. But, um, you know, four for 73, not going to kill you. But only six targets on 29 opportunities. Last year, he was being hyper-targeted much more by Mills, and we just haven't seen that so far. So disappointing uh, season so far for Brandon Cooks for sure. And uh, uh, good luck to Houston because they will actually have to be looking, uh, you know, looking for AJ Brown on the field this Thursday when they play the Eagles. That's going to be an absolute slaughter. <laughs> found him. Um, <laughs> yeah, found him in the end zone. Uh, Washington at Indianapolis is our next game. Washington wins at 17-16. Taylor Heineke bailing me out at the end of the game there on my best bet. Thank you, uh, Mr. Heineke, former Battlehawk legend. Uh, Terry McLaurin continues to be the leader in the wide receiver room with Heineke under center. He uh, had six for 113, had an absolutely ridiculous catch on the last drive. 
went over the top of somebody and ended up basically winning this game for Washington. They ran it in from one yard out uh, after that catch. But McLaurin, if he would have fallen into the end zone, would have had even a bigger day. So uh, I, I just like this Heineke to McLaurin connection. There's going to be games where they dud because, again, Taylor Heineke is a backup for a reason. But uh, I think I just like the, you know, Taylor Heineke is not afraid to just chuck it down there and let McLaurin go make a play where Carson Wentz seemed to, uh, you know, not really want to do that. He was just more of a, a dink and dunker to, you know, to the other guys. He was more of a, a Curtis Samuel type of quarterback. So yeah. I like the uh, the style of quarterback for Terry McLaurin. And uh, the running backs, man, I don't really know what to make of this group. Only 25% of snaps for, for Brian Robinson, 8 for 20 on the ground. Uh, I, I don't know how you can be comfortable starting him. This, I mean, again, this, this indie front seven is pretty good. They've been good at stopping running back so far. So, uh, there will be possible better days ahead for Robinson and better matchups, but Washington's not very good either. So if they go down in any game, like kind of like they did in this one, uh, it's just, you're not going to see a ton of Brian Robinson. And if he's not carrying it 20 times, he's going to be hard pressed to have a good day for you. Um, any disagreements on, uh, Brian Robinson, Cody? No, no, I do not. Uh, yeah, you you were kind of ahead of this one, I would say as well, because you you did say that his floor was uh, very very low, and we got to see that this week. So, I mean, Gibson would be, would have been the guy you wanted, but it really was only from the passing game volume. So, um, I guess I, I I'm not I'm not a privy to this. Is J D McKissick is he out or was he active on Sunday? I'm surprised nope, he was in there. It's a three headed backfield right I, now. Yeah. And um, I don't have the uh, – I'd have to do some research on the snap percentages as far as uh, who's playing the third down role right now. Uh, yeah. I don't know why Gibson is getting so many targets. He got seven in this one. Only four the week before, but he scored in both of the, the games Heineke has played. Uh, maybe those two just have a, a bit of a connection uh, in the receiving game, but I, I don't see anything here to suggest it's going to continue necessarily. So I, I think you know we're – on on a path here for Gibson, if he you know has another game or two like this in the receiving game, we can be interested here. But I think you're probably just out on all three of these guys, especially because they're splitting snaps relatively evenly. You never want to see that from the running back position. Three a three headed backfield is just too uh, too much of a split for this pie, and it's not a very you know big pie to begin with. Yeah, I think I'm sitting on all the, three of them next week, unless it's a really bad situation for me. <laughs> That's I don't want any piece of that. No, I, I wouldn't think so either. I'll double-check who they play real quick. It's versus Minnesota. Could be a high-scoring game, but also could be a game they go down big in early, so I yep. would probably agree with you. On the Indy side, uh, Jonathan Taylor really just has not gotten his momentum going this year. The offensive line looks a lot worse. Uh, he had 16 carries for 76 yards, did not catch his only target, and lost a fumble. I believe he left this game with an ankle injury again. Um, I don't know if it was the same ankle or the same injury. I have not seen any updates on it. Uh, I, so it doesn't seem like it was that serious, but you know, never good to see multiple ankle injuries in only a couple weeks. And um, yeah, I mean, it just this offense is just probably not going to be very good the rest of the year either. So I think they'll lean on Taylor when he's there and he's healthy, but it has been a rough start to the year for Taylor owners uh, so far. Yeah, it sucks when and your number one overall pick could be your second half breakout for your team. That's, that's never a good uh, recipe for fantasy success. But um, yeah, I... Uh, I, I know we were recommending, you know, trying to go out there and get Jonathan Taylor, and I guess if you can get him at now at a value, I would I would definitely consider that. But this offense is just going to be rough for 
the rest of the season. So with Ellinger or Matt Ryan back there, it looks like this offense is just going to be kind of stale. So I think this just may be a down year for Taylor, and you know we'll just kind of run it back next year, and hopefully it can kind of revive his career. But I think rest of the season, I just don't. He's not going to have the same upside that we had coming into the season, and I just don't know if I want to trade a good fantasy asset for a question mark at this point. Yeah, I think definitely more of a high end RB two than the the you know bona fide RB one we were hoping for. Unfortunately for Taylor, um, yep. Michael Pittman saw nine targets in this one, seven for fifty three through the air. So he got the looks and he was the number one guy. But Ellinger is going to severely limit his upside. Uh, this was what should have been a pretty easy matchup at home against the Commanders. They've given it up to both quarterbacks and wide receivers so far, and they could not take advantage of it. So I don't have any confidence that they'll be able to do so. Uh, you know, moving forward to any consistent degree. Yep, I agree with you there. Just all options on Indianapolis, you just got to take them all down a peg. San Francisco at L.A. Uh, San Francisco wins it 31-14. to They continue to dominate the Rams. Easy cash on that best bet. This one is the one uh, I felt the best about <laughs> coming into the day, and it paid off for me. San Francisco dominated in total yards and just – everywhere on the field uh this game was kind of close in the first half and then they really pulled away uh after that but christian mccaffrey um my goodness 149 total yards not including 34 yards through the air on a trick play where he threw a touchdown three total touchdowns i think he might be the new running back one rest of season cody and this offense the way kyle shanahan just schemes up things for his players uh i was very encouraged by the you know the usage, 27 looks. I think that's going to come down once Debo comes into the lineup. But even if you take away seven looks, which is about you know 25% of his total, you're looking at 20 uh, opportunities for Christian McCaffrey in a great offense with a good offensive line. And um, you know I think the one thing we were worried about was that San Francisco has not historically thrown the ball to their backs very much. But Kyle Shanahan's a very smart coach, and he realizes what a weapon McCaffrey is. So uh, he threw him the ball nine times in this one. I would expect that to continue. Uh, I, I think he is my RB1 rest of season right now. Yeah, I would have to – I mean, you got to put Saquon up there with them. I think Austin Eckler deserves to be up there with them. This is just as well, such a better offense. Yeah, yeah you're, Eckler, you're completely I, I, right. I, this this offense there. is so much better that – and Eckler has this as well. There's so many other pieces on this offense that can get them down into the red zone. And then McCaffrey's just an absolute beast down there. I mean, just finding all kinds of ways to get into the end zone – and just rack up more more yardage. So, um, yeah, he. I could. I can't argue with you. I would say Eckler would also be up there. But yeah, it. If I yeah, I McCaffrey would probably be the first pick overall. Um, Cooper Cup would be right there with him in a full PPR league. But he's going to be insane rest of season. Um, and like you said, with Debo, with him being out, I think what CMC like what it does is just Debo is not going to have to come out of the backfield nearly as much as he was if you know close to at all. So. Now he'll be able just to play in kind of some design screen games, which may kind of be really good for his efficiency and his health because he may not just get the ball as much as he was. So um, for those two guys in San Francisco, I got both their arrows pointing up quite a bit still. And Debo was injured this game, but I still think it's still encouraging just because how good this offense can be. 
Yeah, I was just about to say this offense could be terrifying once Debo Samuel comes back into the lineup. Uh, they looked really good on Sunday on the road against a pretty good defense, and they didn't have one of their best two players. So once he comes back and he's healthy, they uh, they could you know really turn this thing up in the second half here. Uh, Ayuk and Kittle both played pretty well uh, in Debo's stead. Um, again, McCaffrey kind of took over uh, from a you know total yards perspective. So only 11 targets between Kittle and Ayuk, but they both scored. Uh, you were pretty happy with either one of them if you had them in their lineup. And I am a little worried that McCaffrey and Debo could end up kind of soaking up a lot of the volume here. But this offense could also just be so good that it won't matter. And that will just give these guys more touchdown opportunity. Uh, we c- you just kind of have to know what to expect from Ayuk. Once the Debo comes back, uh, he's going to be a little more inconsistent. And then Kittle's a tight end, so you're, you're probably just starting him week to week because he's George Kittle. Yeah, you nailed it right there. Kittle, you you can't take him out of the lineup because he's just too good um, and can, you know, score you a touchdown on any given week at that position. And then Ayuk is definitely one we're going to have to have some talks about once uh, they come back from their bye week on just where we kind of see him fit into the the flex player landscape there because – I mean, a really good outing. If you played him, the, you know, throughout these last couple of weeks, you're really happy with that performance, with those performances. Um, but it's just, yeah, inconsistency is going to really, really plague Ayuk the rest of the season. I feel like so, uh, just be interesting to see kind of where he falls uh, with the new target with CMC in this offense now, and with Debo coming back after their bye, of course. Yeah, 100%. Uh, agree with you on the 49ers options there. Um, hopefully, IU can keep the momentum going. On the Rams side, uh, more of the same from the offense. They did not look great. Uh, their, you know, their line is just not what it was last year, and anytime they go against a decent pass rush, it's going to be a tough go for them. They cannot run the ball whatsoever. Cooper Cup is the only guy you want to start right now. Uh, Tyler Higby has even taken a backseat to Allen Robinson, and I'm not comfortable enough starting Robinson, and it kind of just ruins Higby's value. So he might be you know, on the lower end of streamers right now, and it's basically just Cup and no one else. And uh, Sean McVay, Ronnie Rivers. Really, man? Ronnie Rivers was the number one running back in this one. He did absolutely nothing. I'm hoping for Daryl Henderson's sake that this was just a case of him being injured and uh, sick coming into the game. But either way, I'm not excited to start anybody else other than Cooper Cup. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and just one more note on the Rams. Please trade Cam Akers before the trade deadline tomorrow to wherever you can just send him to. Just, a, you know, worried Cam Akers owner here. Don't want to drop him yet in case he goes to a good situation, but just need to know. So if you can make that happen, that'd, that'd be appreciated. I think what will end up happening is uh, Cam Akers will be released on Wednesday after the Rams figure out that they will not be able to uh, get, you know, get anybody to bite on a trade because uh, his value – it's pretty much in the tank. He hasn't looked very good, even when he's been healthy, and this is a guy coming off a major Achilles injury, so I don't see why anybody would pay a draft pick price for him. Uh, you can just pick him up. You think the they're calling the teams? Just fuck them picks. Come on, send them over to us. We'll send you back Cam Akers. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't think anybody's biting right now. Seems no, like they sure. would have already traded him if that was the case. Yeah. Um, Giants at Seahawks. Uh, Seahawks win this one 27-13. Um, on the Giants side, that was just a total dud from the offense. We just kind of have to realize Daniel Jones is prone to bust games because he is still Daniel Jones. Uh, as much as you know, Brian Dable has tried to dress it up, uh, this is just sort of the you know the price they have to pay for uh, having a below-average thrower of the ball at quarterback and not having any dynamic weapons on the outside. I was really disappointed to see uh, Wandale Robinson only get three targets as well. So 
hoping for better days ahead for this Giants offense, but um, they just kind of are what they are. I think they're going to be pretty inconsistent moving forward, and maybe Wandale is not the uh, you know possible weekly flex play I thought he was. Yeah, I'm going to hold on Wandale. Um, now, obviously, with the bye week coming up, if you got to drop holding. him. Yeah, if you got to drop him and move in. If you do have to drop him, I understand it. I want to hold him, uh, especially coming out of the bye week. Hopefully, he will get some more involvement. But like you said, this is just a total dud from the offense. So um, I'm not going to hold this game against him. I would say overall, my opinion didn't change too much. Um, you know, I, I knew Daniel Jones was prone to having games like this. And when Daniel Jones has a game like this, it's going to cause Wandale to suffer a little bit. So it's just something you got to factor in. Um, hopefully, after the bye, they can kind of just get him some more guaranteed looks but we'll kind of see how that plays out um but for waiver wire purposes i want to hold wandale um expect you know in deep leagues that he's rostered through the bye if possible and then uh on the seattle side pretty much nothing changed for me metcalf ended up playing very surprisingly we did not expect him to when we talked on friday but he played a full allotment of snaps got 10 targets uh, six for 55, a little underwhelming, but he got in the end zone, so he did just fine for you if you played him. And then Lockett was uh, solid as well, five for eight uh, for 63 and a touchdown. Um, Geno Smith just continues to impress. A little bit of a low efficiency day from Kenneth Walker, but he got into the end zone late in the game as well. So all the options that you were looking at played pretty well for you. Geno Smith, uh, you know, an okay game for fantasy. He'll take 202 out of a streamer. Um, and again, the Giants offense just did not put that much pressure on this team so uh didn't have the you know possibly bigger day i thought he might yeah and uh, my biggest concern for for gino as a streamable (laughs) tight end was just this giants defense has been pretty solid against you know quarterbacks this year but maybe more of just who they played maybe not just their defense in general but yeah gino continues to look good and the seahawks are in the first place in the nfc west just like everyone expected so obviously yeah yeah it's very very cool there for them i'd say p carroll is uh going to sleep with a big old smile on his face just about every single night yeah no one likes to see that that's that's just (laughs) one of the worst things you can you can have right there uh Green Bay at Buffalo was the nightcap. Uh, Buffalo ended up winning 27-17. to um, On Green Bay's side, an impressive game from Aaron Jones. Had 20 carries for 143. Uh, caught four or five targets for 14 yards as well. I also played him in three out of four leagues. Again, a very fun time for me this weekend. Um, he's the only Packer you feel good about starting right now, though. Uh, the rest of the options were pretty underwhelming. And A.J. Dillon is the clear, clear second uh, fiddle option to Aaron Jones at the moment. I'd still try to hold on to him just because running backs are so scarce. And, um, you know, he would be just a potential league winner if Aaron Jones ever got hurt. But I don't, you know, I, I understand if you have to drop him just because, uh, again, 10-team leagues, lots of buys coming up. Tough decisions are going to have to be made. He's definitely on the list of drop candidates. Uh, and then you, you have anything to add on Jones and Dylan? Nope. I would say he is a drop candidate. It is going to be tough, but there will be leagues that he's dropped. And if you're, if you're a league that has a little bit more, or if you're a roster in that league that has a little bit more volatility, if he is dropped, I would instantly be putting a waiver claim in to pick him up. Um, he's just one of those handcuffed insurance pieces that could be a league winner. Um, what we're kind of seeing Kenneth Walker turn into in Seattle. So if anything were to happen to Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon becomes that guy in that offense. So um, I, I, I'm with you, Nick. If you can't hold him through buys in these next couple of weeks, definitely do so. But 
Um, like I said, tough decisions got to be made. But if someone does have to drop them in your league and you can you can risk adding them, I, I would do so. Or not risk if you could you know suffer through adding them, I would do so. Yeah, this is these are the type of guys we like to hold uh, on our bench personally. Just these backup running backs that have the opportunity to step into big roles and do well with it when they do. So yep. uh, AJ Dillon probably worth holding on to, but if you got to drop him in a shallow league, I get it. Uh, Romeo Dobbs had a solid game in this one, uh, four for seven for 62 in a score. But uh, once Lazard is back, I'm not going to be very excited to start him. So I, I didn't really change my opinion on anybody on the Packers very much, other than being, uh, you know, solidified on Aaron Jones being uh, a, the only guy I like. Yeah, and I think Dobbs caught a pretty decent length touchdown too. So take one of those receptions off and some yards and that touchdown and it's a really dud week for him. So I mean I'm not really excited to start dubs even with the touchdown this week. And like you said, Lazard comes back, so yeah, I I mean I'm not even really that excited to start Lazard other than this offense didn't couldn't really get anything going in the passing game without him. So he'll probably come back, get his same receptions and if he gets in the end zone he'll be valuable for fantasy somewhat, but he's just kinda him and Dubs are both just low-end options rest of the season for me. Um, it doesn't look like there's going to be a number one established here um, out of any of the young guys. I was hoping maybe Christian Watson would give in his opportunity this week and maybe, maybe, maybe just show an opportunity to do that. First time he touches the ball, gets hit hard, concussion, out rest of game. So it just doesn't look like there's going to be a wide receiver one for Aaron Rodgers this year. Um, both Dubs and Lazard are – I don't want to have to drop him because you could still play him in a pinch, but I, if you got to, I understand. I'm not going to hold it against you. They're not they're not must-holds for me. Yeah, I would agree with that for sure. Um, on the Bills' side, it was a surprisingly tough game for Josh Allen. I actually didn't watch a ton of this one, Cody, so maybe you could tell me if there was any weather-related uh, you know, shenanigans here. Uh, obviously, Buffalo is prone to that sort of thing, but you know, the line was pretty surprising to me after I saw it. You know, post game, 13 of 25 for 218 and two, had two picks as well. Uh, did carry the ball six times for 49 yards, but, you know, the, the secondary options ended up suffering because of this down game from Allen. Uh, Diggs, uh, you know, got his. I believe he had uh, six for 108 and one. So, uh, if you know, if you take that out of Allen's line, there's just not a ton to go around. You know, Gabe Davis just kind of is what he is. He's a boom bust wide receiver, too. He busted yep. in this one, but he's still got seven looks. He'll be fine moving forward. I'm not really worried about anybody on this Bills offense. I think better days are clearly ahead for them. Um, anything to add on Buffalo? Yeah, unfortunately, I don't have a lot to add on Buffalo. I was, uh, I also did not watch very much of this game. I had it on in the background while I was trying out the new uh, Call of Duty on Sunday night. So I did <laughs> not <enough>. actually <laughs> see too much of what happened with Josh Allen. But, you know, if you're if you're listening an hour and a half in, I don't think you're going to hold it against us for skipping out on one Sunday night football game. So I'm not sure what happened. But like you said, really the, re- the reason I wasn't that intrigued with this game was – I, I kind of just I felt like I had a, a good assumption of how the game was going to go, and it was going to have to be something crazy to change my opinion on how I felt on any of these options here. And, you know, the game maybe didn't go exactly how I thought for Buffalo's options, but my opinion didn't change about any of them. So, yeah, I, I agree with you on that front. And next week when, you know, I'm going to start all Buffalo options. And like I said, with the Packers options, if you have to drop them outside of Aaron Jones, we we can stomach that. We understand why. Yeah, they play at the Jets next week. I uh, expect them to win that game by 28 points. Um, 
Cincinnati at Cleveland is the Monday night uh, capper here on week eight. Cleveland obviously blows out the defending uh, AFC champions, 32-13 to 13 at home. Um, the O-line for Cincinnati was the story for me on their side. They were just completely outmatched in this one. Um, you know, that's kind of been an issue for the Bengals all year. It looks like they might have gotten it a little figured out the past few weeks, but I think we're just going to have to, you know, temper our expectations with Joe Burrow whenever they play a team that has, uh, you know, a good pass rush. Sacked five times in this one. Uh, lost a fumble, was just under constant pressure. So uh, I think he honestly did pretty well to get the line that he did. Uh, ended up with 232-2, and two, had a pick, uh, and again, lost that fumble. So not a great game for Burrow, but really was under a lot of duress for you know most of the time I was watching. Didn't seem like he had much of a chance. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I had this game on in the background as well, but just about every single time I heard the announcer's voice get high is because Burrow was getting sacked or on the verge of getting sacked. So this just looked like a very uncomfortable game for him. And just one of those you kind of just got to chalk up. You know, he lost his number one guy, um, you know, this week. It's first week adjusting without him. And the O-line is still kind of just – still kind of bad. So, you know, until they can kind of kind of meld together and, and – become a, a better unit these kind of games are possible for this offense but again like I said about this last game next week Boyd Higgins Burrow uh, and Mixon all in my lineup and I'm not really going to think twice about it so I don't think this game changed too much for me um, just kind of it sucks that you know we got we got to see this on prime time because I'm sure Burrow and the Bengals definitely wanted to try and light it up in Cleveland yeah, Boyd and Higgins ended up uh, scoring for you, too. So both of them kind of saved their days. And, right. yeah, like you said, they'll be just fine next week. Uh, I'm not sure who they play off the top of my head. I believe it is. That's Carolina at home. That's right. But, yeah, they'll be just fine. Not worried about them. And Mixon just couldn't get anything going on the ground in this one, but still got 17 opportunities. He'll be okay. Um on Cleveland's side, they had a much better day offensively, clearly. Uh, Nick Chubb had a nice bounce back, 101 yards and two scores. Cooper, 5 of 7 for 131 and a touchdown. He continues to serve as a solid wide receiver, too. Might even be more than that with Njoku out for a little bit here. Could uh, become more necessary for this offense. He's looked very good so far this year. I've been very impressed with Amari Cooper just on the NFL field. Has looked uh, you know, like a solid number one wide receiver, and he's... You know, not necessarily looked like that the past couple of years with Dallas. So uh, good on Amari for uh, making the most of his opportunity in Cleveland so far. And then Kareem Hunt also had a, a bit of a bounce back. Didn't have a huge fantasy day at the end of it, but ended up with 15 opportunities, had 72 total yards, four catches. Um, he's, you know, he's probably still on the flex radar if he is not traded by tomorrow. And depending on where he gets traded, he could be more than that. Oh, yeah, for sure. If he goes to the Rams, his value is going to go up quite yep. a bit because he's going to move into the number one role there for sure. Um, but, yeah, I think you laid out these options on Cleveland perfectly well. Um, Cooper's been really good. You think good, he'd take so. Ronnie Rivers off the field? <laughs> you know, I don't know, Young man. Ronnie, Ronnie Rivers, he he looks like a, a next great running back Canadian league. football league running back out there, but... Honestly, whenever I saw him, I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, what is going on? I could not believe it. We got both, brother. Because it was the it was three o'clock window, so Victoria and I we got to her parents in Blue Springs and we were picking up our apartment keys from there. And like so we were I was sitting there watching the game for a couple minutes. I'm like, who the hell is Rivers? So I was like looking up and like, hey, obviously his game wasn't that impressive, so it's not I don't even 
I don't think it's worth considering for fantasy football, especially because I assume no, they're going to no. be trading for some kind of running back here, or they're just going to end up just running Daryl Henderson and probably not punting on the season, but trying to make the most out of what they have. But I do have one interesting Cleveland question for you. I probably will bring it up at the beginning of our next episode or our preview episode since it's an hour and a half into this one. But if you are streaming the tight or the quarterback position, at what time would it be appropriate to potentially stash Deshaun Watson at the hopes of him maybe bolstering that position for you at, at a title run? Um, you know, is now too early? Are you giving it a couple more weeks? Or, you know, when, when would your time frame be for something like that? Um, it just depends on what situation you're looking at right now. If you have a, you know, a solid record and a bad quarterback situation, which is kind of an awkward combination. Uh, I mean, obviously it does happen, but, uh, if that's the case for you somehow, uh, I think now is probably the time to do that. You know, we've only got, uh, so they got the buy upcoming and then they've got three more games, Miami, Buffalo, Tampa Bay, and then Deshaun will make his return after that. So, um, and it's against Houston, you could probably play him yes, first it is. week in back. Houston. I, I, the NFL is nothing if not, uh, you know, a, you know, they they like to play jokes like that. I feel like there's no way that that <laughs> is on accident. I just Whoops. his first game back being in Houston is just incredible. But um, yeah, I think if you like, I said, if you are in a situation where you have a good record and a shitty quarterback situation, which is kind of odd, uh, but. If that's the case, go ahead and stash him now. But uh, if not, I think you probably got to wait a week or two just because you're going to need those roster spots to, to win games the next few weeks. Yeah, I feel that. Uh, I'm, honestly, I'm checking out this league now. I didn't realize this. We have seven bench spots in this league, so it's pretty deep anyway. So I think I'm going to actually pick him up. Yeah, if, I was, I was, if that's the case, you can go ahead and stash him as well. Yeah, I'm, I have Jared Goff and Trevor Lawrence currently on my roster as quarterback. So Deshaun Watson, Might week be a 13. Slight upgrade. <laughs> yeah. No, I was curious because I, I mean, that's like my biggest thing. My roster in that league is really, really good. But I just, I didn't know if I should just wait a little bit longer or just go ahead and pull the trigger on it because I was thinking about. I would doing be surprised it. to see if he was not rostered in a two quarterback league. If he's, if he's, if it's a two oh, quarterback league. Oh no, I'm sorry, league, it's not. You should have picked up Deshaun league. Watson weeks I have, ago. I oh, have okay. Trevor Lawrence and. Jared Goff. Trevor Lawrence is just on my bench because it's super deep, so I, I just didn't drop him. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Cool. Yeah, it might be worth a pick up there if you have any chance. Yeah, to make the I thought so too. So yeah, I just wanted to bounce that off you, but well, I'll probably throw that one into uh, the beginning of an episode just because it's a weird situation. But I mean, he may come back it's and a win someone a fantasy up. championship. So especially if you're starting no Jared doubt. Goff or Trevor Lawrence, but. Week 8 in the books, put a cap on it. Uh, we did not mention this in the beginning, so we'll have to self-plug ourselves. But 4-2, and two, best bets, again, another winning week. 2-1 uh, and one for both of us. On fire so right now. Not able to make up any ground, but if we uh, just continue having winning weeks, I'll, I'll be okay finishing second place if we uh, can get this up to you know, plus 10, 15 units throughout the you know rest of the year. So. It's, uh, 14 it's been going really and well. four between the two of us the last three weeks, Cody. So, yeah, very good work. Uh, yeah. We are doing well on the best bets right now. For sure. Absolutely. Well, Nick, do you have anything else for the people before we let them go? No, let's get out of here, bud. Sweet. Peace out, everybody. Uh, Thursday night preview will be out either Thursday morning or Wednesday night, so just keep an eye out for that. But besides that, peace out, everybody. Uh, have hope, hope you get everyone you're looking for this week on your waiver wire, unless you're in my leagues. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck, guys.